1: Welcome back to the Weekend Ball Podcast, your bod- podcast for all things Canada basketball. We will be following the Canadian men's basketball team and their journey throughout the FIBA World Cup and their quest to qualify for the Olympics. I'm really, really excited to be joined by Will Lou of Sportsnet, host of the Raptors show that everyone should check out uh, for all things Raptors and a bit of Canadian basketball content these these days as well. Um, how's it going, Will? And, and thanks so much for for coming on.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Those are uh, that's a uh, very nice of you to, to recommend the show. And um, yeah, no you're you're having you're having like the the work trip I've always really wanted, which was to to go to <laughs> Asia to cover uh, basketball. So I'm, I'm I'm quite jealous, but I'm also very happy for for you and all the other
1: Canadian reporters out there getting to cover this event. What well, what would you have done if you uh, were if Sportsnet said you could have gone to China in
0: 2019? Uh man.
1: Well, first off, I wasn't working at Sportsnet. But, I know that. Uh, I know. know that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but no but i mean uh yeah i, w- I would have been thrilled i mean i think the only thing then was was it maybe during pandemic was it not pandemic no it was
1: before it was was pre-pandemic
0: pandemic. oh man i would have loved it man Well, oh, i mean i would have definitely gone covered the event uh Where- just covered the whole world cup and then i think afterwards i probably would just want to visit family and traveled around a little bit but
1: yeah taking a Where- free trip kind of thing where's your uh, family in in china is it kind of all over or specific places or
0: uh it, it's a little bit all over but i would say okay. my my hometown is in the north like um it, it's in
1: a city called Tianjin. it's a uh, okay kind of right beside okay. beijing yeah. okay cool okay anyways well i want to get kind of started with this a little bit and for you will obviously you've such a big raptors fan now covering the team for a long time but for, when were you first introduced to the canadian men's basketball team
0: that's a good question um You know, funnily enough, I think my first, like, strong memory of, um, watching Canada basketball was probably around the time that they lost to Venezuela. I remember being, like, in university at a bar. Um, I didn't have cable at home, um, so went to a bar with a friend, um, who was working with Canada basketball at that time as an intern. We were both at the school newspaper together, Hmm. and, um... Yeah, so he was like, yeah, let's let's go to the bar to watch Canada basketball. I'm like, yeah, I'm down. <clears throat> and I just remember, yeah, being in a bar in Hamilton and, and watching Canada lose that game against <laughs> Venezuela. So that's like my first, like, yeah, strong memory of watching Canada basketball, unfortunately.
1: But yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's just hope uh, it's not like that to kind of in this tournament but we'll see but yeah that's yeah. a that's definitely a fond memory from you it's the same maybe not that direct game i, I remember following them and, and seeing all the nbaers and then mm-hmm. that stupid call on yeah anyways that and yeah. then 2021 and uh it's, it's it's been a fun ride at least for you will you have the raptors championship that no one can ever take away from you so you're, you're, you're set for life, but um, Wait, do we not all have that? Are you not a Raptor? Team? I Is am. I am. No, no, oh, okay, I am too. Yeah, yeah. No, we, I, we I all remember, I, I actually, I remember the Kawhi shot. I jumped up and hit my head on the ceiling because uh, in my basement. That's so that, a, the, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I am a taller guy, so maybe it's just, I I, I say I have credit card hops because I get that high off the ground, but uh, just like millimeters, right. but uh, yeah. um, for, Just for you, Will, like how, kind of, how, how would you assess this team kind of going through the exhibition games and, and what, what do you think, what, like, just what, what are your initial thoughts on on the team so far and, and any standouts, anything that maybe you're a bit worried about, but just your initial thoughts. Yeah.
0: I mean, I mean, look, I am pretty encouraged. My expectation for this tournament for, for Canada is to, um, obviously try to secure an Olympic berth and, um, you know but at the same time i didn't have any delusions in terms of just canada being able to like steamroll the competition i just never thought that that was going to be the case we are not team usa and we don't have that caliber of nba players um but at the same time the fact that they play germany so competitively over the balance of two games and and beating them in overtime uh and then following that up with beating spain i mean like those are two of the at worst like two of the top 8 teams in the world right um germany has really come on strong Shout out to Dennis Schroeder. He's been excellent. Um, you know, I'm excited to see. Well, it's it's built up more excitement to, for me to see him <laughs> with the Raptors. Let's let's say that. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, and then Spain is Spain. You know, like I, have you know, I'm having watched a, a lot of you know these uh, international basketball competitions. I remember even watching like um, EuroBasket. That was one of my first like assignments over Raptors Republic. Was just like mm. I'm going to watch all of Lithuania's games for EuroBasket. <laughs> for GB. and so like. Yeah, for JV. And it was, I think, like, back in 2013. And so, like, you know, obviously if you watch any European basketball, any international basketball, like, Spain literally finishes top four of every tournament for, like, literally going back to 20 or 2000, I think. So, wow. like, this is a really formidable opponent. And so for Canada to go in there and to, I would say, have more talent but also play cohesively enough to to get some results was really impressive to me. So, I mean, for me to stand out um, has been R.J. I mean, I mean, I don't know what I was expecting from R.J. Um, I think maybe it's just because you see these players so much in an NBA context. Mm-hmm. And R.J. Barrett in an NBA context might feel like a little bit disappointing, maybe a little bit polarizing. You know, he's not necessarily the ideal third option that I think the Knicks need from him. But at the same time, you see the potential, you see the ability I mean, in this Team Canada setting, I think he's done a really, really great job of um, making plays, being decisive, not over dribbling. He's hitting threes at a pretty good clip right now. And he continues to get downhill and, and finish strong at the basket. And I I, I know that Shea is going to have um, his way because, you know, he's just so talented. He's by far our most talented player. And, um, you know, he's had a little bit of ups and downs, too. But I think he's grown more confident as the warm-ups games went. But... Um, RJ has sort of been there steadily. Obviously, that game in Germany, um, he had, like, what? He won, like, 13, 12 or 13 or 13, 13 or 14 from 14, floor. Yeah, yeah. And he had, like, four or five, like, key baskets down the stretch in the fourth quarter and in overtime. Like, he has just been really impressive to me. And, yeah, if he steps up as that secondary option along with Kelly Olenek, then all of a sudden I feel really, really confident about Canada's ability to to, to, to score. Now, I actually think that their first matchup against France, that's going to be really tough for RJ just because I think they have some specific matchups that might take away what he does well. But at the same time, um, yeah, he's been the guy that's really, you know,
1: stood out to me. Do you, do you think just on that, because like today I asked him about just like how his game translates to FIBA and he said the paint's wide open. Like, do you think RG just the overall better player in a FIBA context? Yeah,
0: I was having this discussion too yesterday um, on my program and I was like, you know, thinking about so one of my guests, Leban um, he, he talked about that RJ in the NBA typically doesn't have the athleticism advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously a very athletic guy, very strong too, which I think for a wing, especially a younger player, um, he's able to use his strength really well and play bully ball. But at the same time, at the NBA level, like a lot of teams are like the Raptors, like Vision Six Nine, like there's just mm-hmm. you know he doesn't necessarily have that kind of advantage but in this FIBA setting especially with teams committing their best defenders trying to stop our Ar- um stop uh Shay, Shay like he's been able to use his size well and I also think that part of it may be just like maybe poor scouting reports or even preparation like I think the number one thing in a scouting report for RJ you know if you were to steal a scouting report from the Knicks uh which I wouldn't <laughs> imagine anybody doing um would be uh you, you you keep him from driving left and take away his left hand right because he's so left hand dominant but he's been able to get to his left hand repeatedly going downhill. Um, and so yeah, I mean, I, I think he has the size advantage more in this kind of competition. But I also think that like it's it's also a product of playing with Shea in a way. I think that like defenses mm-hmm. are so trying to take away that pick and roll game, try that one on one game that Shea does and committing extra defenders. And when the ball swings over to RJ, he's been able to make a really decisive move. And you know, everyone talks about the FIBA officiating, and it is more inconsistent. Um, sometimes i would say overall it's like a tighter whistle it feels like but uh at the same or like a looser whistle in the sense that like you know uh, more contacts being allowed but Mm -hmm. i feel like rj has been consistently playing through the contact and i like that aspect of his game as well
1: and with that just to go back to shay a little bit like do you think it's almost the opposite between those two players in terms of maybe the nba makes or allows shay to be his best self while fiba game is a bit harder for him or, or do you think he's adapted well so far i mean he hasn't been bad by any means but Mm -hmm. is it a bit harder for him to score maybe harder for him to draw fouls like he does in the nba like what do you think of that yeah i mean so much of rj's game is predicated on driving right so i
0: think that um a the court is a little bit smaller for him um with the arc being closer um i also think that like for him yeah it has been a bit of an adjustment period because he takes a lot of contact every time he drives and um you know, I, I wouldn't even say he's foul baiting. Like, is it's not like a James Harden situation. No, 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 yeah. <laughs> but I mean, at the same time, I always feel like Shea is able to get a step on the guy and then get him on his hip and then drive and stretch. And obviously, he's great finishing with either hand. He's also missed a couple of layups here or there. You see some of the frustration kind of come through in the exhibition games. But, yeah, I think for him, it's just like adjusting to the fact that those are not guaranteed calls. And so you have to always play for the finish and – That's where I thought, especially in the in game against Spain, I thought he did really, really well, both Mm -hmm. getting to his spots, getting to his shot, but also drawing the contact. Like a several and ones, I feel like that's always a good sign of what Shea should be doing because he is a guy who is shifty, gets to his matchups, and then of course at that point it's just like is is jumper working or not? Um, Obviously, we're not going to expect lots of like three point shooting from Shea necessarily, but. Um, is that mid-range jumper working? Because if that's working as well, then that really opens up the rest of his drives. But um uh, I think he's gotten stronger as the tournament went on. He he definitely started slow that first game against Germany. Um but
1: yeah, so if you take that out uh, that that one game out, I feel like he's he's done well. How how worried are you about kind of maybe Canada's lack of size in, in this tournament? Obviously FIBA is a different game, size can really matter. Um just what what do you make of that? And and maybe just not really having a, a a uh, normal five men like Powell's just undersized and 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 especially at the backup as well. Yeah, it's definitely a
0: concern of mine. Um I mean I think if if you think about Canada's talent in basketball like across the board, like that is clearly the one area that's that's lagging. Um we have lots of great wings, we have lots of great guards, um you know, but we just don't have that kind of selection as at bigs. I would say even if we got our best bigs all available all at once, it's still a weakness of the team. And I think in, in particular to this team, you know, I appreciate things that Dwight Powell brings, you know, um, there's a the versatility and the ability to switch, even though they're not switching too, too much, uh, at least at the five. But, um, you know, there is the switchability there. He definitely tries to play physical. He' pretty unselfish, really. Like, he does sacrifice for the team really well. Like, for the starting unit, the offense has basically just been um, Shea, who's directing and playing a lot of one-on-one, RJ, who's playing off the catch, but also occasionally playing one on one, and then Kelly, who's should be one of the hubs because he's so good offensively, especially in the FIBA game. Um, that leaves Dwight Powell to like really sacrifice, and that leaves Dylan Brooks to really sacrifice. But at the same time, like, yeah, I mean, he's undersized, like he's like six foot seven, you know. And yes. um, I just don't feel like there is that same like lane intimidation, especially on defense, um, that I think I would like to see from from a guy in that position. So. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I'm curious just in terms of just like um, how Jordy is going to manage that because it's not like the backup options are too exceptional. I I, I like Kyle Alexander. I feel like he's been pretty solid throughout and um, I, I trust him. But at the same time, I I trust him in, in a bench context. If he has to go up against or play like a significant role, I'm, I'm not totally sure what that brings to Canada. And um, yeah, I mean, it gets to the point for me where I'm like, I actually don't mind seeing some of these Kyle Olenek at five lineups just to get more of an advantage play faster <clears throat> and have more shooting on the floor so um yeah i'm definitely worried about dwight powell and i think i'm also like a little bit scarred based on the qualifiers in victoria where um i forget who it was uh oh it was uh andres balvin's some he was like a seven foot two guy kind of looked like cedrinis agauskas in the body and, and 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 uh yeah he was just destroying um Dway- well, he had like 19 rebounds, yeah. And Dwight Powell fouled, well, fouled out of that game, I think.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, like that's kind of I, when you you mentioned fouled out. I just think of him in foul trouble and in Victoria against Czechia. And I for, do you remember the guy who just made all those threes for for Blake Czech- Schlib? Yeah, Schlib, or, Schilb, or some, Schil, some one of yeah. those. Yeah, I remember Blake Murphy yeah. always talking about him and and just you know coming up in my dreams in my nightmares. Sorry, but. uh with, with that, like, do you think, like, I, I know uh, you talked to, you know, friend of the show, Jonathan Chen, a little bit about Zach Eady, obviously, um, the the Chinese connection. But, like, what what role does he have on this team? Like, obviously, I think he'll probably be on the 12-man roster. We'll find out um, tomorrow. But um, mm-hmm. w- would he have a place to kind of play significant minutes or in a bench role for this team, especially against maybe a team like France with a guy like Gilbert and a lot of bigs?
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think we all knew like where Zach Eady could be a little bit weaker. Um, and it's sort of the um, not even inability to move his feet. I don't think he's like super mm-hmm. heavy on his feet for a guy of that size. Um, but it's just like the the quickness and the burst. I think is just a little bit lacking sometimes. And so you'll see some possessions where I know like in that game where they beat Germany, Edie came in and as soon as he came in, Dennis Schroeder was like, all right, I'm going to trust, you know, try to isolate against this guy. And I don't know whether it was a pick and roll or whether it was a switch, but essentially Schroeder got one-on-one against him and immediately turned the corner and got an and one. Now, of course, like Dennis Schroeder is like probably the fastest player in the tournament, right? So or the quickest mm-hmm. player in the tournament. So like that could happen to anybody. Um, the next play down, it was like Daniel Tice got him with an up fake and then drove yeah. around him for a basket or even against Spain. There was some, I don't know if one of the more anonymous guards, I would say for Spain, um, was able to drive straight at him and turn the corner and go to the basket. And so I think it's just a, really a matter of like, how much can you play defensively and keep him in the paint where he doesn't necessarily need to take more than one step closer to the perimeter than he needs to, because that turn and recover and then burst at the basket doesn't, you know, even if you get beat, if you have the size advantage, you're, if you're able to turn and then, you know, have some athleticism to, jump up mm-hmm. and contest a shot and change the shot. That's okay. Like I'm not expecting him to like be as quick as guards. That'd be ridiculous. Uh, but at the same time, like, yeah, I, I I do think that defensively there has been a concern offensively. I think obviously he's great. I mean, like he just mashes guys down low, which I think for Canada, just, they don't have anybody else who can do that in the front court. Mm-hmm. Like Dwight Powell can catch a nice lob from Kelly Olenek. and you know, Kyle Alexander has been finishing decently, but he's kind of your standard big. Um, ed definitely is able to like take up so much space and i think he's done a good job on the boards as well but uh i think you just got to find ways to manage with him defensively and yeah i mean i I think even playing drop is not even enough i think it has to be like a deep drop like it can't be Mm -hmm. him coming out like even above the free throw line kind of thing like your typical drop i would suppose is like your big is like maybe slightly below the free throw line like i need him almost in the restricted area Um, yeah yeah so yeah, specific matchups I can definitely see, um, especially teams without like super great shooting guards. Um, but I feel like in an international context, like I'm I'm scared of all the guards shooting. Like it feels like the the yeah. shooting across the board <laughs> is very high. Yeah. 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 So. No.
1: No. No. For sure. I mean, I also think about just zone. I, I know they threw a couple of of zones just with Edie, but we'll see. Like we'll we'll definitely see. What have you noticed just with Jordy Fernandez and and maybe what differences you see in the way Canada played. Uh, plays under him compared to Nick Nurse, who obviously you, you know well of, of covering him for for so long for Canada and uh, the Raptors.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, I think first and foremost, like uh, it's been impressive to see Jordy earn the respect of the group. Um, you know, I'm I'm sure you, you know, especially you being there on the ground, you get to see them operate in, in the mix zones or maybe even a bit of warm ups and practices and things like that. Like, seems like Jordy and the rest of the coaching staff has gotten the buy in from the players. Um, I see things that are really encouraging. I see guys, first off guys playing really hard. I was not expecting exhibition games to be so uh, physical so and competitive. Uh, co- competitive, but like, yeah, they, 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 they met the challenge, which I really liked. I like that guys are sacrificing. Like, you know, it, it's no small feat to have Dylan Brooks just like literally mostly play defense, right? Like I... he's not hijacking. He's not taking like crazy shots. I mean, like he'll miss shots because he's not a good shooter, but he's taking shots within the rhythm. He's passing up. You know certain shots as well. I think in in that game when they beat Germany down the stretch, like Dylan was passing up a, a, several, I would say like open ish looks that in the NBA context, especially having seen him play the last couple of years with the Grizzlies more more closely, yeah, he would definitely would have taken those. You know what I mean? And and we've gotten that kind of buy in, I think, from the whole group. Um, the way he manages rotations, I mean, I, I, it's hard to fully extrapolate based on the exhibition games, but I to me there were a little bit too much like bench only lineups. Or not mm-hmm. even bench only, but bench heavy lineups. Um, but having said that, though, in the important games, he's been able to close with the starters and they've been able to deliver for him. So I think, yeah, he's won the just respect or of the team and they're responding well to him. One of the core things about FIBA, too, is that like you get to like just see inside the, the huddle and the timeout. Yeah. So it's just a microphone and a camera like right there. And yeah, you can see how the players are responding to him. In terms of his style, obviously defensively, it's not like here's ten things to throw at you like like Nick nurse right like mm-hmm. we're not seeing no box in one like I remember like watching the World Cup in uh 2019 in China and it was like all right we're gonna play box and one with like Aaron best like being your 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 one and everyone else is gonna be in a box and 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 some full court press, and some zone and it was like you know court, you know minute to minute it was different. Um, I, I think it's been a lot more solid. I think I w- would say with Jordy's defense, um, they've done a, a good job of containing the glass. They don't switch necess- more than I would say they need to. I think you know it's not mm. a good idea to switch so much. I feel like teams are so good at like even basic things that you would think should happen in all levels of basketball. Like you, you run a you know standard pick and roll with the with the, the big screening for a guard. And then if, if if you switch and you have a guard on their big, then their big immediately goes and seals and then they play through that advantage.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: I feel like in the NBA, like that almost is lost in a way. Like that's not a guarantee at all. Or like the guard will be like, oh, I got a big on me. I'll try to isolate on, on Like, no, they, they actually play through the size advantages really well, um, especially experienced teams like uh, Spain and Germany. So like, I, I feel like not switching as much actually benefits them in this case. Uh, and then, yeah, like, you know, they have Dylan and they have Lou and, and they carry you know the the burden there defensively but he's been able to get those guys to really buy in um which i'm whatever they're they're dedicated defenders anyway you don't have to get them to buy in so much but their role is, is i feel like everyone is like fitting a good role it doesn't feel like anyone necessarily is out of position so i mean this being like single game you know tournaments like especially single game knockouts when we get there like that's going to require some creativity at certain points but i think so far on the
1: broad parts like jordy's done a good job so i have really no complaints about jordy what, what do you think of kind of like against france and i don't we don't need to do a, a huge deep dive but do you expect there to be like five man bench units or like heavy bench units like there were in during the friendlies or or do you think you might alter that a little bit and have more of like maybe just a a rotation of, of Shea and RJ and maybe Nikhil and just have mostly the NBA players playing all the minutes other than maybe at the five and maybe another wing or something yeah I mean
0: it's interesting because it's such a hard game and it's the first game of the tournament right like yeah. I feel like you don't want to necessarily cut your rotation off like first game of the tournament so I would at least give it the first half and try out a couple of bench guys like I don't imagine, I don't imagine like some of these guys just straight up won't play. But at the same time, like I think, yeah, if when it comes down to it, I would probably prefer just like an eight man rotation, uh, assuming no foul trouble and everything like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm not too familiar with the French team. I've, I've watched some of their warm warmups and stuff like that, but I haven't seen too much quality coming off their bench. So it yeah. might be one of those opponents where you can kind of just get away with it in a way.
1: No, uh, no, but. I, but...
0: I have to say, like, the bench has had, like, really good moments and really bad moments, I would say, so far. So, I would at least give them the first half to see if it's one of those games where they really have it. Because there's been times in these exhibition games where the bench has been not stronger than the starters. I would say that's kind of ridiculous. But, you know, the bench has been solid. And I think that Nikhil's been excellent there. Lou, obviously, coming off the bench. Those two really give me some stability. But Kyle Alexander's been reliable. And then there's certain games where you know Trey Bell Haynes is like, all right, wow, he, he's he's really like a little spark plug, and he's able to get into um, the teeth of the defense. for a small guard, I feel like he's actually done a decent job of getting inside. And then, of course, he's a good three point shooter as well. So, mm-hmm.
1: and and with that, like, what out of the obvious like players that other than Shea or, or RJ, like who who do you think is kind of an X factor for this team if they're going to be successful in this tournament?
0: Yeah, I mean. For me, the X factor really is RJ, especially in a game like France. Like, um, yeah, I mean, like you got Rudy patrolling the paint, and also a guy who's probably pretty familiar with RJ, just, you know, having the the two guys play in the NBA. Um, But then you also have big wing defenders that they can throw at him, like Nick Batum is, you know, still pretty good defensively, uh, especially on the wing. And so RJ's not going to have the size advantage there. And then you also maybe have Garchan Yabusele who can slide over if Canada decides to go small. So, like, it'll be a challenge for RJ, I think, in that matchup. And if he does really well, then I think we actually are in a good spot against France. But, yeah, aside from those two main guys, um, I mean, it, it's kind of got to be Kelly, right? Like, essentially, mm-hmm. like, yeah, if you have all three guys cooking at the same game, you're pretty much going to win the game, Um, unless you're playing Team USA. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think you at least need one other guy to show up offensively. And, and Kelly, for me, has just been, like, I mean, I I'm always happy with Kelly when he plays for Team Canada. Mm-hmm. I'm always impressed by what he can do, but I, I think especially if he's able to hold up in stretches at the five, um, which I think Kelly has done that, you know, um, yeah, I think that's where Canada's like fastball really is. Like, again, like no offense to Dwight Powell, but I'd I'd, I'd rather like take him off the floor, play even faster with another guard on the floor. You either put in Lou. Uh, if you want more defense and size and physicality, or you can put in Nikhil, who I think is one of five, Canada's five best players. Uh, and then with Kelly at the five, like you could really space teams out and, and force them to
1: push. So um, yeah, I, I would say, I guess I would say Kelly. How often do you think they'll they'll play Kelly at the five? Like, is that something that they may be, they ended the game against Germany. And yeah. I thought that was really interesting. <clears throat> they, couldn't, they couldn't stop Germany, but they could score on every possession. So it was kind of a, a yin for yang on that.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, especially in a game like France, for example, like, yeah, you put him at five, you bring Rudy out of the paint, like, you know, that might be one of the only ways to kind of attack that if you're not successful sort of with your base, you know, um, strategies, but yeah, I mean, it it is tricky, obviously, just because, you know, like he is in a five, but at the same time, like, that's one of the ways that you can definitely create an advantage um and that's where you hope that like the rest of the guys are able to come in and rebound and and for me i was like all right at least your wings and your guards are like pretty big as well so you can kind of like average out the the difference but yeah canada would be pretty small with, with kelly at the five so i would say um definitely want to see it at the like for stretches at the end of first halves for example like mm-hmm. i think the last five minutes of the second of the second quarter is, is a really good time to try that out and, and maybe extend your lead and build some momentum going to halftime. Um, and then, yeah, I would probably save that in my back pocket until the fourth quarter again. And again, especially if Canada's down, I would definitely want to see Kelly at the five and, and to, to, to spark the offense. But um,
1: even without that, I think that there are just real advantages that to be gained. Mm-hmm. And and with that, like how, like, do you think a guy like Shea is going to be just run into the ground in a, in a in a in a little bit of ways because of the absence of Jamal Murray, like how much yeah, of an impact yeah. do you think that was? Just him pulling out, like I mean, we're a couple of weeks away. Um How do you feel about it in retrospect now? And and how likely do you think it is that Jamal Murray does play for Canada a, a, another time in the near uh, term?
0: I mean, I, I mean, it's so hard to say. I, I think he definitely wants to i think their commitment is there i think there's opportunity for him to sign an extension this uh season with the nuggets and that wasn't really done and so i feel like if he had signed the extension it would have been a little bit easier for him to play but at the same time he's also come on off of injury for like the last two years and was healthy finally and then played the finals and obviously dominated throughout the course of the playoff run so like i totally understand him not coming to play um having said that though i feel like yeah that would like we're talking about like RJ and Kelly Lonick as the second options. Like having Jamal Murray as the second option is just, I mean, it's cha- it's championship caliber, really. We, we just saw mm-hmm. um, this this past season. So I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I think in terms of Shea, like the one thing that's good is, um, I remember like when I was talking to to Jonathan about it, uh, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, you know, I suggested to him like, hey, why don't we just play? Sh- why don't we use Shea like we like Slovenia uses Luka. And you know Jonathan pushed back on the idea, and and I mean watch the, the the five exhibition games. That's not what's happening here. Like they're not just giving Shea the ball and getting out of the way, and he's getting like a hundred pick and rolls a game. Um, so I think they're they're kind of picking the spots with him in a way. And and it it, it the one thing with Shea too is just he does feel like he's playing on an island a little bit. Yeah, like there's so much of a game that is isolation based um, that I'm not really sure how you lessen his workload other than not to give him the ball. But, I mean, at the same time, that is your most effective offense. And it's, it's been encouraging to me that, like, he hasn't really shied away from it. Crunch time, he's obviously up to it as well. So, um, you know, obviously they got to manage his workload, but – uh yeah, I mean, he, his energy looks high. Like, he's even giving great effort defensively as well. He's been disruptive on that end, so. A lot of steals. I haven't really seen any drop-offs. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he's, he, I mean, what did he, I think he averaged like 1.7 steals in like a block a game Yeah, this past season in the NBA. So, I mean, he's used to playing that sort of frenetic, chaotic defense where he's able
1: to use his length and anticipation and stuff, so. Do, do you think with, just going back a little bit to the comparison with him and, and Luca, is it? That she's just not as good a playmaker as Luca, so that if he became like in a heliocentric offense, that it's just not as effective as Luca, who can basically pass out of his butt.
0: Yeah, Luca is like a top three passer, like at minimum in in, in the entire world, <laughs> right? <laughs> so like, um, you know, there's that pass that really went viral, um, where I think Luca was playing Japan and came off understand. the pick and roll. And then went behind his back with the right hand, flipped it over like two defenders and his teammate, perfectly into the corner pocket. Like, it's ridiculous. That, 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 I mean, like, yeah, Shea doesn't have anything close to that. Um, But I mean, I would also say that, like, for Shea, like, he's his, his mentality is different. Like, Shea to Mm -hmm. me very much feels like a guy that is always, and rightfully so, always confident that he can beat this guy one on one, Mm -hmm. no matter who the matchup is. And so his focus to me is as a scorer. Um, Luca's focus to me very much feels like I'm going to run this pick and roll and I have pretty much every trick in the book and I'm going to see what you guys do and I'm just going to adapt my game to that. Like, yes, there are times where Luca, like, he's going to score a lot because he has the ball all the time and he has all the ability in the world. But I, I can see when Luca pivots into like a scoring mode,
1: but most of the time he's just reading the defense, I dissect him. Mm -hmm. it's a a different style of play yeah it's 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 more like it's just the way he plays is i need the ball i i like it's more heliocentric and just with shea it's more attack and go like downhill and yeah no for sure just just with that like to, to transition a little bit to just like how do you think this team will do in this tournament they obviously have a really tough draw as mm-hmm. we mentioned, France in the first game, they'll they'll probably play Spain in the second round if if they make it that way. Like, how, how do you how do you how confident do you feel about this team? What are the chances you think they make the Olympics? Um, Just like, how do you feel about their their chances at the tournament?
0: Honestly, like it, it's so hard to say just because we're talking about single games. I feel like if we're playing like you know what we would think of as playoff series like that, I think Canada has a really good shot of making it to like you know the finals quote unquote. But this is not like this is not that right and. You, have, you can have a lot of randomness happen in, in single games, right? And, you know, the, you know, the Venezuela game, I think, is, is a classic example of that. So, um, to me, like, yes, the path is difficult, but it's not like I can't see a way for Canada to beat France. Like, this is not like the 2019 World Cup where it's like, all right, Canada's going to play Germany today, and, like, I don't know what we're going to do against them. Or, like, Canada's going to play Australia, and I don't know what we're going to do. Like, no, we, we we have other threats to put against them. Like, they should be worried about us in the kind of the same way. I would say the only thing that, like, I think there's enough talent there to compete with any team in the entire tournament except for Team USA. I think the only thing for me that's missing, and maybe this is just, like, a stylistic, like, country, like, stylistic kind of style of play is just, like, you know, when you watch Spain play, when you watch um, Germany play, when you watch, like, Australia play, like, there's just so many, like, backdoor cuts and, like, quick like catch and shoot movements and screening and it's just like they have all the other like um i wouldn't even say easy stuff but they have all the other like teamwork basic stuff down so much to a science that they can rely on that for like 20 points a game no matter how well you're covering them they're just like reading it really well knowing when to cut back door the fundamentals, like they, they get 20 points a game off the fundamentals. i feel like canada maybe gets like 10 points a game off the fundamentals, and so you need like your actual talent the ability to beat guys one-on-one the ability to make tough shots that has to make up the gap for the other 10 and that's where i'm like if there's any way possible for canada to make that up and that's to me is is, is tough because in the nba you just don't play in that kind of style and so the internationally trained players are going to naturally have more of an edge there but if they were to get that even up more then i think they actually have a definitive advantage over all the other teams but uh yeah i mean i, I think canada has as good of a shot as pretty much any of the other teams like I don't know, man. I mean, like, France should feel worried that, like, they have to probably oh, be Canada yeah. or, or or Spain along the way. And it's probably worried about the same thing about France and Canada. So it, it's big talk. But at the same time, like, our roster is really good. And, you know, even watching the warm-up games, I think that's been encouraging to me that they can compete with anybody, you know, and outside of USA, for sure.
1: Obviously, USA is uh, just just stacked as always. What What do you make of the kind of idea that the more games they play together – the more chemistry they'll they'll get, and, and the better they'll play. Because uh, Jordy actually, like, I asked him a question today, and he said, "You know, I think the later you play us, the better we will be." So, what, what do you think? That's a significant factor, and and maybe that impacts them in the first game. But if they are to to win it and go maybe to the quarters or something, that they'll become just live up to the potential of their talent and and be just as much the sums of their own parts.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's some validity in that of course i think the thing is oh, teams are also going to get stronger as the tournament goes on right like yeah i think that's just sort of natural like you 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 win some of these games and you're able to come overcome those challenges and you learn so much about yourself as a team like i think about the raptors for example when we won in 2019 like the team that beat the magic was a lot worse the team that beat the the bucks and the team that beat the warriors like they got so much stronger as that season one and i think maybe there's a bit of a comparison to be drawn there just because like that team for the raptors was also kind of like not newly built but at the same time you you trade demar for kawaii like it changes a lot and then you trade jv for marcus all mid-season that changes a lot and so you kind of have to build as the as the sort of thing goes on and so i guess that's just, that maybe is the comparison account in the sense that like you know these guys aren't as used to playing with each other but at the same time like i feel like they've already figured out a lot of things like the hierarchy and again like to me, it's just refreshing to watch them come into the game and they know where their priorities are. Like, nobody necessarily is taking shots out of turn. Defensively, I think they can be more cohesive and that's normal. Yeah. But even offensively, I feel like they already have figured it out in terms of, like, not only knowing where the shots are supposed to be, but guys respecting where the shots are supposed to be. And so I think that alone is already done. It was already a good reflection of the group and of the coaching staff. So yeah i believe jordy when he says that but i also think that again like other teams
1: are going to build and get stronger as the tournament gets on too so so if you know i had to ask you you know like to to bet your money on it like does canada make the olympics at the end of this tournament um you know against better judgment uh, i would <laughs> cuz i feel like there's
0: just it's so easy to get pessimistic about canada at the men's team at at, at the senior level but yeah, I mean, I, why not? Like, I think this is a really good shot. I think that they have a really good group. And, you know, what's also been good is that they've they've stayed healthy. And, you know, knock on wood that they continue to stay healthy. But, you know, this is as good of a group as we've put together. And it's a tough path. But it, it's not, like, an impossible path, man. I mean, like, we already beat Spain on uh, in, in the warm-up games. And whatever. Like, I, I, I think that Spain hosts, like, I see them as equivalent challengers. Just like I see, like, France as equivalent challengers. But... Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know. I I think that our roster is really strong. So if they lose against France, uh, I'm going to get a lot more worried. But if they beat France, I'm going to feel
1: pretty vindicated. So What do you think about the idea? Like, I've been saying this on on radio shows and stuff. It's just if they beat France in the first game, they make the quarters and probably make the Olympics. If they lose, then it... it... And I don't want to pin it all in one game, but it almost Mm -hmm. feels that way in a lot of ways.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, this is what this is always one of the weird things with the 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 world cup itself is that like you know i mean when you think about the world cup like obviously you're thinking about like this the 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 the, the football like like soccer Mm -hmm. world cup and it's like all right that's like the be on end all that's like the biggest event in sports like it's like that in the olympics right um and in basketball it's just like yeah the world cup's cool but like everyone's work everyone's trying to get to the olympics you know Mm -hmm. and so yeah it is kind of weird in that sense but yeah i mean if canada were, were to place top four even, even, again obviously the goal is to qualify for the olympics and we'll see i mean apparently the dominican republic's been playing great i mean even when they played canada it was pretty solid like i know canada didn't play their starters in the second half but it was it was like a one-point game at halftime it wasn't like canada starters were blowing them out and then canada took the starters out and they came back like it wasn't like that at all so um yeah it's gonna be tricky but i mean at the same time like Again like I'm just choosing to believe in the the talent like I think what's different between this Canada team versus previous ones is that you have so much of your talent coming out and they've looked cohesive through a pretty tough test I think you know uh, who, Bravo to whoever set up the the warm-up tournaments for Canada and exhibition here because I feel like yeah. they got real tests along the way so yeah I mean I hope they don't let us down but um you know what can you really do other than be a fan and, and try to believe in the country?
1: What do you think it would mean for, for just the game of basketball in Canada if, if the men's team were to make the Olympics and, and probably go on a deep run? Like, do you think that could have a huge change and ripple effect in this country?
0: I mean, I yes and no. I mean, I think, like, basketball has already become hmm. so, like, popular in Canada. And I think, you know, the Raptors have a, a place to play in that. I think the overall growth of the game of basketball, you know, when you think back to, like, you know, even the dream team and, and how that sort of made basketball global. And that, that even like, you know, um, I don't know why I'm plugging Alex's book, but uh, Alex Wong wrote a book prehistoric. And and in there, he kind of talked about sort of the ideation of the NBA in terms of like why they wanted to expand internationally. Right. Which was just over here to Canada and and, and Vancouver and, and Toronto. But big part of that was like, they saw the global vision uh, and the global appeal that the dream team had in 92. And they were like, let's put a team in Canada. And mm-hmm. so, you know, like, even from that alone, like you've, we've seen the growth of basketball just as a sport for the last 30 years. Um, but yeah. And when you go, honestly, when you, 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 can like, I was, I was making this observation um, just like driving around, like some of the richer parts of Toronto, like East York, East side, all those, and those houses. And you see these like, you know, realist, real, honestly, by toronto standards like mansions you know palatial estates Mm -hmm. with like four or five bathrooms and like three car garages and like in front of every single one of those kind of houses you also you already see basketball hoops and you already know that basketball has um a strong like you know reputation and um popularity i think within probably lower class like just economically Mm -hmm. um yeah that population so when you see it at both ends of the spectrum like you just know it's it's I don't know. I mean, like, I don't know what Canada could really do at this World Cup or even at the Olympics that would make Canada love basketball even more. But I feel like everyone in Canada already, like, is very, very aware of basketball. And, yeah, I mean, it'd be great. I think it'd be great. It would bring our reputation up. But I don't know. I think we're we're in a
1: good spot. Do you think it'd be more similar to, uh, I mean, obviously, Canada soccer has been a mess since they made the World Cup, but almost just like a title shift and just people caring – about the the men's team and, and people invested in it like in europe and i hope Spain. so I, I, like even in the u.s as well
0: yeah i mean i hope so look listen man I mean, the u.s is not going to care about anything other than the u.s man like yeah, let's be honest like no, the u.s no, is know. so <laughs> large and like they have so much media and produced and it's like they don't need to care about anything else like america is an inward focus and i i don't even blame them like you know yeah. like they're from like the capital of the world essentially um but i think for for canada like i think a couple of things like even it was something like sponsorships, for example, like um I think first off, the just on the business side, um the Canada basketball's done a great job of getting sponsorships, getting money into the program to, to expense things like you know, getting them chartered flights, getting them, you know, situated insurance. at good hotels, you know, getting them insurance. That's such a big, big part. It's like we're I mean it's not cheap to ensure like Shay's max contract you know what i mean like so you need to you need to have all that sort of in place and that comes from sponsorships i mean and also like that funds more of your grassroots programs that like funds all your other programs that that sort of comes about like canada basketball is, is a huge organization you know like um you know so yeah i think on that front they've already kind of expanded well right like they've they've gotten a major tv partner in in, in sports and that to, to carry the games like i remember back in the world cup uh, four years ago, we were watching that thing on the zone. Like yeah. what? Like you know what I mean? Like and I wouldn't even have the zone if I wasn't a big soccer fan. So I was like, <laughs> all right. So like we were watching that thing on the zone. And um yeah, we've just come a long way, man. Like you got an airline, you got a grocery store, you got a you got a you know car. And so I think that like yeah, I mean when the program really does well and it hits on that level, I think you also bring in more money to just grow the organization and, and I guess the sport of basketball financially as well. Because I, I don't think that's an insignificant factor. I think like you know even hearing some of the stories about like oh germany's taking charter flights to, to indonesia from berlin i'm like what <laughs> <laughs> you, mean, you mean if i if i were flying from germany or, first of all that's a, that's an incredibly long flight but second of all yeah. if you're telling me i could just see dennis schroeder at the airport you know getting a, a smart water like that's that's wild to me right like
1: so yeah i mean i think that that, that all helps the program um no, for sure, and uh, I I hope uh, that you get Dennis Schroeder on your program as as soon as training camp starts because I think that would be uh, with with Smart Water maybe have uh, yeah. Smart Water as the 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 commercial or something like that on on your show.
0: I think Smart Water is like one of the official waters of uh, I don't know how the contracts are done in in, in Scotiabank Arena, but I mean definitely it's a COVID yeah, yeah provided co- building, and so there's a lot of Smart Waters in the media room and stuff like that. So. I assume that uh, you probably probably could see Dennis drinking some smart water if that's what you come to see. But he's a great interview though. I I really was not I, I guess I wasn't so familiar with Dennis's personality, but mm-hmm. he's an interesting guy and um I'm rooting for him. He's easy to root for I think when he's on your team. Maybe when he's not on your team you're like who is this guy and why is he you know talking trash and and and, yeah. and be- beating my carts off the dribble, but um
1: <laughs> when he's on your side you're like all right, this this guy's kind of sick. So I'm excited for Dennis Schroeder. And so uh just I'll I'll ask you one raptor's question before I let you go. Just how, how are you feeling about this team? Obviously, Dennis Schroeder is, is now the the white whale to save uh oh, God from God, I'm not that excited for Dennis Schroeder, to be clear.
0: <laughs> to be clear, I'm a reasonably I'm a reasonable level of being excited for Dennis, but yeah, I mean what can you really say? Like, look, um I don't think like object like my rational brain is like, look, they're they're not in a great spot in terms of just like the roster build isn't really ideal the spacing really isn't ideal uh i think you lost a skill set that fred could bring to the team that maybe last year was more lacking at times um mm-hmm. but overall like i still we still needed a player of that sort of caliber or of that kind of profile and we haven't really brought anything to replace him. we have brought in something different in dennis um so that's my rational brain saying like yeah this team's probably not that good but at the same time like I, I think my emotional brain and I think the, the, the attachment that I have to this team, like I've talked myself into the teams a lot worse than this version of the Raptors. Like I'm not like a lot, a lot worse than this version of the Raptors. Like I was, you know, I'm like, all right, like, let's go. It's the young guns movement with DeMar and, and like Sonny Weems. And uh, like, I, I was, oh I God. love Sonny Weems, man. I thought Sonny yeah, Weems was going to be like, the next rudy gay or something you know and like that i mean whatever i guess we literally upgraded from him to rudy gay but i talked myself into rudy gay and damar and like all this other kind of stuff like i was like oh wow we're getting sean marion like let's go like that's gonna work <laughs> like so I, I look for me the the, the emotional brain is always going to be like look i actually you know i, I will i'm always going to find a way to, to like and enjoy the raptors no matter sort of who they're putting out there and on top of the fact that like yeah there's there is talent young talent there that you know i am invested in like i want to see especially if Darko's going to come in and be a developmental coach. First off, I don't know what he's going to do specifically because he doesn't say anything in his interviews. He's (laughs) so media trained. He gives four answers. I I think I haven't heard an original thought from Darko just yet. But obviously, over the course of the season, we'll see that come out. And, of course, we'll get to see the product on the court. But, like, I want to see, can Precious take that next step? Can Scotty take that next step? You know, what is Grady going to be? Can Christian take that next step? and you know gary can he expand his game og you know like this is kind of the last year for og where it's like or listen bro if you don't really come in and like take that next step and you become a 20 point per game score and you have mm-hmm. ability to play off the dribble and you can handle the ball a little bit or even run a couple pick and rolls like if this isn't the year for that then you, you are just like premium 3d guy you know you know we're not gonna buy into this like jump coming up after after this season so the opportunity is kind of there for the group and yeah, I mean, if they find a way to take it, like I wouldn't be too surprised that this team was actually good and above 500, but that again, that, that might be more emotional brain than rational brain.
1: How, how much, like I, th- I feel every Raptors fans has to ask themselves, like how much do they trust Masai now? Because everyone was all yeah. in and, and now it feels, I I just really haven't understood his, his moves the past couple of years from on like a scale of one to 10 of like 10 being, you know, Masai we trust, you know june 2019 to to where you are now or to one just no trust like where are you at will
0: yeah i mean we were really on a high for a while and to be fair masai was on a high for a while like i think they he, he just did a, such a great job him and the rest of the front office um i mean the, the weird thing for me is just like how does a front office quote-unquote fall off you know what i mean like we've had pretty much the same brain trust of like Masai with Bobby as a number two and Dan Tolsman as a number three. We've had that same structure in place for like, well, I guess Jeff Weltman was around back then, but I mean, I don't know like that. He moved on, but like we've had it in place for like a 10 years now mm-hmm. and I get players dropping off. Cause like they got injured or they got older or, you know, whatever the game changed on them. Like how does a GM fall off? You know what I mean? So <laughs> To me, I'm just like, look, I, I still believe in the ability and, and maybe they were on a hot streak and now they're on a colder one. But yeah, to me, I, I think it would also make a lot more sense if he was able to like, articulate a- in a more honest and transparent way in terms of what the vision is. Like, mm-hmm. I think like Raptor fans, especially in the 10 years since Mazzai has taken over, the fan base has expanded so much. But at the same time, we're still pretty realistic at the core of it. Mm-hmm. And we can handle if you tell us, like, yo, this team is – you know, like, look, we're not necessarily in a great place, but we are building on this direction or we are trying to do this or we're trying to make the vision work. Even if you were trying to make Vision 6-9 work, explain that vision and explain and sell to us that vision. And so I just don't think that the expectations are clearly communicated. And so everyone's kind of expecting this or expecting that. And when it inevitably isn't those things, then people get really disappointed. And I think that that's why you're seeing such strong reactions to the team. Also, I mean, like, they haven't played well. And he personally came out and said things like they're selfish. And also, yeah. they didn't enjoy watching the team. I, also, by the way, I mean, like, yes, I think that that helps. But, like, <clears throat> on the whole, like, it just it doesn't really bring a great thing. Because now the whole offseason, we're just calling guys selfish. And, yeah. like, I'm not saying that that's not true. Like, he he is telling us the truth on that front. But
1: I think we're now applying that to, like, everything. You mm-hmm. know? It's so, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Well, well well thanks so much for coming on i really really appreciate it i just want to give you the floor um just to plug the raptor show anything coming up anything fans should should stay tuned for and uh yeah
0: yeah i appreciate you um yeah i mean just tune into the raptor show like we'll have coverage of uh the FIBA world cup as well um Awesome. Unfortunately, I'm going to be away for this upcoming weekend, but I will. I did delay my flight so that I can catch Canada, France, and, and deliver some content <laughs> wow. there. So,
1: okay, <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, I'm just going to Chicago. Like, it wasn't uh, like anything crazy okay, like, okay Toronto, but uh, yeah. I mean, ultimately, yeah. Like, uh, you yeah. know, there will be a lots of coverage on on the World Cup, so um, stay tuned to that. But also, at the same time, like, you know, we're we're going to cover every bit of Raptors news. You know, we talked about the Raptors getting sued, which. uh yeah, talk about great headlines. I mean, the Raptors getting sued. No, no matter how petty August, this is, like it's it like it is perfect. kind of stupid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 But uh, so I mean, tune into all that. What are we? I mean, we just recorded an episode yesterday about Canada basketball, but also kind of we did a draft on like, um, favorite C and E activities. <laughs> okay. So you know, there's there's all all sorts of lifestyle content. I feel like that, awesome. that has, you know awesome. become. Permanent you, should, on the show. you should
1: change your like the podcast sometimes when you get alex on just to lifestyle and sport or something on like yeah Spotify. yeah, yeah that would work it, sports should definitely be
0: second when when alex comes on the show but hey listen it is what it is it's off season like what do you you know like i guess we could talk about Canada basketball every every episode but yeah i think there is no, an appetite I, for a little bit more and um yeah i don't know man everyone loves to see any right like you you're from exactly Toronto? yeah no exactly
1: yeah yeah, yeah um well thanks so much lou for for taking up uh, lou oh my god well, lou for for taking the time and uh, coming on and, and sorry for butchering uh, your name just there but uh, no, thanks again for for doing this i really appreciate it love the show love your work and uh, it's really cool to to have you on and uh, uh have a safe flight and uh, i'll definitely be uh, listening and watching to you at the raptor show for the rest of the year and uh yeah thanks again yeah
0: thanks to you too man and uh yeah congrats on be out there, like enjoy this experience, soak it up, collect all the memorabilia that you can.
1: Um, and yeah, tell us what's actually happening from the ground. I'll definitely do my best. And I already have my uh, my first uh, FIBA accreditation, so that's definitely going to be hanging up on my wall for for a long time. So that that's pretty cool. And uh, Arash Madani's just been throwing me everywhere and, and teaching me everything, so I'm, I'm in good hands. So amazing, yeah. Thank, anyways, thanks again, Will, and uh, have a great one. All right, speak
0: soon.